I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now, okay, you've heard me talk about... Um, a topic that I've learned a lot about, uh, and that is a topic of mental illness, how to deal with this. It's been a, a long learning thing for me. I, I just didn't understand it, had some prejudices growing up in the church, I think, against it, if we're honest, uh, and learned a lot. You know, my co-host, Sheila Walsh, on, on the broadcast show has really helped me to understand it, and, and I continue to learn, continue to understand, and I think we should. Uh, we have to talk about this in the church. We have to be a safe place for people to run to, not to run away from, uh, and so this is the conversation, and I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, he is a worship leader who has struggled uh, with some uh, mental illness in, in a very serious way, and I look forward to hearing more of his story from him. I will say chat is open. If you guys are watching live, you're always invited to be a part of the conversation. Uh, and let's show you the book. We're not here just to sell books, but books really give you a place to go. If this is a topic that interests you and you want to go in some depth, I want you to be able to have this resource. Heroic Disgrace is the book by Scott Box. Uh, and he is, of course, my guest today. And this is a story I, I think you'll find interesting uh, if you don't deal with you know mental illness uh, any mental health issues in yourself or a close family member um, it'll be interesting and educational for you if this is an area where you have struggled this could be a pivotal moment in your life to be honest with you uh, and so stick around Scott great to have you on life today live hey Randy thanks for having me man I appreciate it so I mean that's kind of a bold little intro um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I really want to open up the doors to let you share, so yeah. that people can be healed. Right? Uh, let's yeah. let's talk about these issues and and let's talk about the solutions and yeah. not gloss over it. And I appreciate your boldness in, in doing this. You bet. Where did this begin for you? Wow. Well, uh, for me, my journey with mental illness really started when I was in my mid twenties and my, my wife and I uh, kind of didn't, well, until you really, in my experience, until we knew a diagnosis, when we, until we got the name, in my case, bipolar disorder, uh, until we got that, it was very difficult to know what was happening for, for, for me with these giant highs and and massive lows. And I was just reminded even yesterday of some of the things that I, I have to continually manage, uh, but impulsivity, you know, where I'll just, yeah. And then, and things like irritation at high levels where uh, sounds were just so loud and, and lights were so bright. <laughs> and feelings were, I, I had to get out of my clothes at times. Uh, and, and there were, it's hard not to have a name for that. And so by the time I was 30, uh, Randy, there was, there was some clarity uh, after meeting with a Christian psychologist and psychiatric nurse practitioner. Hmm. Uh, and for me in my story, I'll just throw this out. It was a gift. It was a blessing to have a diagnosis. It wasn't a 
you know, a death keel. It was, or a death blow. It was, there was a, oh, yes, okay, there's a name for this. And not only is there a name, but there's a strategy in which we can, you know, pursue to uh, yeah. to gain some health. I, I hear that a lot uh, from people really? because they just think, you know, something's wrong with me or they're living in denial and, and they're saying there's totally. nothing wrong with me, but yet well, they're having, I was. <laughs> were you, which were you? Yeah. The, the denial part the for, for sure. Interesting. So yeah. were you, were you leading worship in a church, uh, for all these years leading up to the diagnosis? Yes. Yes, I was. And I think that that's part of the difficulty, Randy, that I was struggling with now looking back, I don't, I don't think I thought this way back then, but I really, I really struggled with a sense of more, like I felt like I had lost my moral authority, if you will. I, I, I was so broken. Uh, I was, I knew, I knew I was sinful. I mean, everybody's sinful. There's, there's that. But, but for me, there was this aspect of not achieving this type of heroism <laughs> that I thought I was supposed to achieve my family had kind of yeah groomed me for that's a bad word these days but but right, right. but I, there had been this sense of grooming toward heroism that i uh couldn't i couldn't achieve yeah. yeah yeah oh it's uh, you know uh, uh dudley hall a, a friend uh minister theologian recently said that that he believes that, that shame is the the biggest obstacle to people yeah. fulfilling their role in God's kingdom, you know, their purpose. Yeah. Was shame a big part of what you were yeah. struggling with during this time? Absolutely. And and I, I will say that it was connected to the mental illness component, Randy, obviously. Uh, there There's that aspect. But for me, too, there was some of the, the self-medication stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it. It's always humiliating, but there's the pornography stuff too. Uh, like that for me was an easy route to, uh, in, in with my relationship with my wife, if I felt slighted sexually for some reason, I would just be like the heck. And, uh, so that, that talk about shame talk about mm -hmm. feeling cut off at the knees as a worship leader, this sense of a lack of moral authority, uh, this was a big deal as a young man. Yeah, and I think my, in my experience, and again, you back me up whether this is yours or not. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Uh, but in the church, especially, um, <laughs> it, it's a bad combination for someone to really not be experiencing some level of wholeness and health, but to be in a leadership position. Yeah, yeah. No, you well said. That's absolutely right. I mean, not that you, not that you have to be perfect, right? Because none of us are perfect. But right. it kind of it's kind of like which direction are you heading? I mean, it sounds like you were struggling with a lot, and necessarily being in that role that wasn't the healthiest place for you. Am I? Yeah. Well, and I, I you know, I'd like to think that showing up for duty, you know, is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but at, but at the end of the day, that's that's not that's not good enough. I I, I have a feeling that. I think maybe I would have earned a lot of respect too had I just kind of raised my hand and said, "Hey, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I, I, 
this was a really, really bad week, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and for, for some reason, this is part of the reason why I've, I've struggled with this concept of worship not being a lifestyle as opposed to just the music. Uh, we, we think of worship, when we hear that word, we think of, of, of music. And uh, I, I've learned that it's, that's, I mean, that really is what I've learned most in this journey for myself is how desperate I was, I needed to become for Jesus. And not only that, but what I realized in this whole journey has been that I was designed to be desperate for Jesus. This is this idea of heroic disgrace then uh, that I've learned to live and I've learned to live it both inside church leadership and outside church leadership. Literally last week, my son texted me and said, is is worship more than music? And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I thought part of me was like, have, have, have I failed in my <laughs> raising the son? He's an adult now. But I was like, technically it's worship music. Um, and he's like, well, sure. what all would be? And so my question for you would be for people that may be thinking, okay, worship music. Okay. I get that. But what is worship? Yeah. Scott Box. What is worship? Yeah. So I think the best answer for, for that, and, and truly this isn't the church kid answer either. This is the answer that I've, I've, I realize is true that Jesus is the model of of true worship mm-hmm. that f- for me it is a lifestyle it is not a it's not song time at church <laughs> it's not the it's not the thing on the board out the reader board that says worship 10 a.m right, you know, right. Uh, that that's 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 what it's come down to i think people really really identify with with that as worship it's not just song time in the car on christian radio uh, this, these things have diluted our understanding that, or of, of they've di- diluted the model that Jesus uh, gave to us. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why I can say that. I say Jesus looked to the Father, he pursued God the Father, mm-hmm. and he reflected God the Father in everything he did. Mm-hmm. This was Jesus's worship. And when, when I figured that out, and this is, this is where this links for me with the mental health. For me, my mental health, Randy, was I was so I was so busted up. Uh, I I feel like I can bring a unique, maybe it's not unique, but I feel like I this is the story I must share that that there is a connection between health and worship that that the church must must figure out again because our witness is dependent on it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I, yeah, unfortunately, something untreated will lead usually to yeah. a big failure, and we see that in the church way too often. And I think maybe it's because we're ignoring some things, uh, <laughs> not talking about some things, yeah. right? But what what happened? What happened with you? Was there what was your breaking point, if you will, that got you to get into eventually get the diagnosis? There was a time where Carrie Ann, my wife and I were sitting in a counseling session where our counselor, uh, Elizabeth Hamilton. So her, we go, she goes by Libby. So Libby, Libby is sitting there and uh, across from Carrie Ann and me. And uh, she, she, she's talking to Carrie Ann and she's saying, 
Carrie Ann, it's okay for you to grieve, for you to grieve the loss of the man that you thought you married. And I was like, I mean, it was a, it was just, you know, I, I, I remember sitting there crying. What? And, and yet here's, here's what, what Libby said. So, so she permitted Carrie Ann to, to grieve. There was that, but then she said, but Carrie Ann, not for too long, dream new dreams. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it went on, you know, it was this idea that this is the man that you've married and he's the guy that, that he's working toward health. He's already made great progress. Mm-hmm. Hang in there. This, this was that, that kind of, it wasn't dualistic, but there was this, 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 this I need to continue on this path of health and i'll just i'll throw this out because it's 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 one of the one of the things that i i think is really important randy is that god makes healthy what he doesn't heal i'm proof i i i i am healthy but i'm not healed and i think that that's one of the difficulties the church continues to struggle with yeah. is this this idea that we can pray away bipolar disorder well, okay, maybe maybe we can, but but probably we can't. <laughs> and so, how about we learn how to be healthy while while maintaining our faith in Jesus mm-hmm. and actually realize that it is our pain that drives us closer to Jesus. It is the bipolar disorder that forces me to rely on and be dependent and desperate on Jesus. That is no doubt the tough part, uh, and that's the part I struggled with in dealing. I mean, I, I remember asking mm-hmm. Sheila in an interview <laughs> years ago, you know, does yeah. it does, does it ever go away? Right? You know, are you ever healed? Basically, is what I was asking. Uh, because I, you you look in the Bible, Jesus Jesus healed people, absolutely, you know, and he can. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't heal everyone, and that's the part that we don't like to say. I lost a sister she was 40 years old lost her to cancer she fought cancer for seven years let me tell you she was a saint compared to me compared to 99.9 percent of the people out there she loved jesus she had great faith beautiful that's beautiful but when we think well i mean let's face it any earthly healing is temporary period because we all die uh and the greater healing jesus said and one of my favorite illustrations is when the the paralytic was dropped down through the roof Yes. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody freaks out. And he's like, what? You want me to heal him? That'd be easier. <laughs> right? Fine. Stand up and walk. <laughs> the greater yeah. thing than healing, you realize, is the forgiveness of sins because that yes. is eternal. That's exactly right. So when we're talking about an issue, whether it's cancer, whether it's bipolar disorder, whatever, I mean, yes, I still am going to ask for healing every single time because I prefer healing <laughs> to suffering i think we all do absolutely but acknowledge at the same time that that the greatest miracle is the eternal forgiveness of sins because that affects eternity not just the temporary healing that we would experience on this earth um yeah does that resonate with you absolutely and I, i love your perspective randy on that that idea that our worship is it it connects with and I struggle with this, but I think it's I think it's true. Any type of worship that is not connected to eternity is incomplete in yeah. some capacity. Right, right. Uh, and this is this is part of this idea of 
also recognizing that our health is connected to our mind, our body, our spirit. It's it, we're not just talking about physical healing. What, like your sister, you know, what, what she proved. I mean, based on what you're saying right there, that there can be health in spirit and in mind, even when the body's getting just toasted. Totally. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, here, I think. Here, here's, let me. I'm, I'm curious your perspective because here's where uh, a lot of us who don't understand mental health issues get stuck. Yes. Is yes. this physical? Is this spiritual? Yes. Is well it uh, emotional? I mean, is it what? What? What are? What is it? And I think I know the answer, but I want to know your answer. Well, since you caveated it. <laughs> What's your answer? <laughs> I think I think there's a component of all of it. I, and I think to address it, you have to address all of it. But that's my guess. That's... Uh, no, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I think, and I'll, I'll be quick on this. I do think that there is an aspect of lifestyle affecting mental health. Oh, yeah. Uh, which it doesn't determine mental health. But lifestyle, I, I've realized that there is an aspect of lifestyle that that determined or that uh, helps, it affects right. mental health. Right. And that's where I learned when I was 300 pounds, I needed to fix some things in my lifestyle wow. in order to become healthy in mind, body and spirit. This is that's like, right. if, you, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a tripod and you kick out one of those legs, it's gonna fall. Yeah. And yeah. so this is, this isn't the thrust of it necessarily, but it is that concept of living a disgraceful. This is what's so beautiful about what Jesus did is in in our eyes, in human, in, in mankind, humanity's eyes, Jesus lived a disgraceful life. <laughs> he was a loser. Uh, and I mean, he was the biggest loser. And that's what makes him the greatest hero is that he flipped loss upside down. He flips disgrace upside down. Mm -hmm. He flips heroism upside down. Our understanding that it actually requires, it's being a, a, a servant, not being served. It's, you know, that all of that, it's dying on the cross. Um, here's the, here's the reality. We live in a, in an era where truth is unfindable and hope is unreachable. It's, it's just, but what we know is that God, God makes, he's flipped all of that upside down where truth is findable in Christ. We have to pursue Jesus. We have to reflect Jesus as a habit that leads to hope. And at the end of the day, that's what I mean when, when, as you're saying, you know, it's, it's a, it, it's a matter of all those things, yeah. but our lifestyle does affect it. Yeah, no doubt. All right. I want to show people the book again. It's called Heroic Disgrace by Scott Box, who's my guest today. And, and I want to ask you, Scott, after the the uh, bipolar disorder um, diagnosis, what what happened on all fronts uh, with yourself, with your the ministry aspect, the worship, you know, uh, with your with your wife? Where did where did things go from there? Wow, Randy. Uh let me let me take it from let me take that question from this angle here's I, I started to deal with other things too when you're when you're overweight and I can't say all of us understand this but that many of us do when when 
in, in my case, when I was overweight, I started to deal with all sorts of other problems. Uh, you know, there was the acid reflux. There was, uh, I, oh man, I couldn't sleep well. I was snoring, <laughs> you know, mm. this is all sorts of things. Um, there's, there was a realization in all aspects of my life where I, I realized there, it could, and I've realized since this is a universal truth. It can become too late to become healthy. It can actually become too late. And it's, it's, it's one of those things we, we don't really want to think about because we, well, it can't, it's, you know, it, God's going to save us. Yeah, but maybe it can become too late. It can become too late. And I started to realize that truth in my life that I needed to, before it became too late in all of those fronts, in my life, I needed to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And one other thought is that I, I'll circle back around to that idea of God makes healthy, or yeah, God makes healthy what he doesn't heal, is a, just a different way to say that, I think, is that even when when healing is an absurd impossibility, health is always an option. Health is always an option. Yeah, to to some degree, even even when the physical health is Correct. failing, uh, you Correct. can be spiritually healthy. Yeah. What? So where did where did where did you go? And where where what's your journey been since that diagnosis? And you started down that path of health. Obviously, you dropped a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, significant eighty pounds. Yeah. yeah, and I've maintained it. That's part of the. So here's where I think you're going. Uh, For me, this has been an issue of management. I've learned how to manage uh, my lifestyle based on the pursuit and the reflection of Jesus. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but here's the thing. I don't think you can. Thank you. I mean, this is is the reality. If I I realized at some level, here's here's, as a worship leader, unless I became Bono from U2, I was going to become irrelevant as a musician, as a singer, whatever, in the church, because the church chews up and spits out worship leaders for the next generation, the next model, the younger model. And <laughs> and that's okay. I get it. I think that's part of it. That's been partly the failure on the worship leader's standpoint to not position themselves as more than just a musician. Uh, we We must, as worship leaders, become the Yoda, you know, the Star Wars reference, the the Jedi master of what it means to be a worship leader. And that means we need to guide people into a lifestyle of what I call heroic disgrace. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I, I've, I realized I had to walk the talk. I had to manage my life in pursuit and reflection of Jesus. And that's what I just, I, I've, I've, I've realized that's really what the definition of worship is. It's, it's pursue Jesus, reflect Jesus, pursue Jesus, reflect Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, it really, it really is. Um, <laughs> how did the church react? This has been hard. So I, 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 I created an album at one point for a church that it didn't, it didn't, they didn't, I mean, we had the discs pressed and everything was ready to go. And then there was there was pushback and we didn't even release the music. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's stuff that, but, but here, my point is 
I've been pursuing, I've been pursuing it in an angle and I've been on this journey, this adventure. And I've realized that I've not even gotten it exactly right along the way. Sure. I tripped up. I caused some tension with myself and, and lead pastors. And, uh, and yet what, what I've, what I've recognized is that the, the joy of this is to invite people into this adventure of heroic disgrace, invite people into this understanding, a deeper understanding of what it means to be a worshiper. I don't know how this will fly ultimately with the church. Mm -hmm. uh, I, because the church is very stuck in what it means to be a worship. What, what's, I mean, you say worship, you think music right. and you, you think Sunday morning or you think a worship service or you think songs on Christian radio. Again, those are the things that we think. And I know it's an uphill battle, but this is a fun journey. And I love <laughs> inviting people into the adventure together. What, what, what is just for clarity in the heroic disgrace, the title of your book, what yes. is the disgrace to you? Yeah. So for me, that's really been the issue of the being too broken to be a hero, too sinful to be a worshiper, too fearful to be hopeful. I mean, that's what it, and yet recognizing that I am called to be heroic as Jesus is heroic. Yeah. And like I explained, Jesus in our eyes was disgraced. And yet that's the heroism component of this too. That's, this is the paradox of the, the whole concept of heroic disgrace. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that's very interesting. Very thought provoking. You. Um, you have a cousin who uh, has been an influence. I knew that some people will know. And so you said you wanted to talk about him. So I'll let you talk about him. He's been on live today uh, uh, two or three times. I've had uh, the privilege of interviewing him uh, and, uh, his name is Brian Welch. Uh, he's known as head to his fans uh, in his band Corn, and that's your cousin. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> here's where this here's where Brian connects, and I, I don't want to talk about Brian just because it's a name drop. Uh, that that doesn't inspire me at all. <laughs> what does inspire me is this, Randy. Uh, Brian matters to my story because because Brian modeled a form of worship that did not make sense to me. When Brian met Jesus, everybody was like, yeah, really? Are you, are, is this a real thing? You know, everybody was trying to figure that out and it wasn't our business, but we were all, you know, he's, sure. he's famous. Sure. So he leaves corn. He, he follows Christ, leaves the band. And then, over the years, I'm watching over 15 years, I'm watching Brian, you know, a decade, I'm watching Brian. And I recognize that Brian had an understanding of his witness that I didn't get. And it was foreign to me. And I didn't learn it. I wasn't teaching it. My witness was not Brian's witness. Now, I also realize I'm not Brian. I'm Scott Box. Right. Uh, but 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 at the end of the day, here's what it came down to and why it's so important to me, Randy, is that Brian was a rock star and Brian's relationship with Jesus seemed to be more than my relationship with Jesus. And oh, I, wow. it mattered to me. I needed to figure out why 
what it, and in watching Brian, I can say the rock star led the worship leader. Wow. Wow. So, you know, the biggest pushback I got um, after interviewing him, just people online, it was when he went back into corn. Yes. He seemed to be pulled out of the world. And it was like, now you're going back into the world. What was your take when, when he made that, when he went back to corn? Yeah. Uh, my answer to that is not a dodge. I, I don't have, I'm kind of indifferent and here's why I'm indifferent. It's not my story to tell. Um, I, I, I think my feelings are Brian's a creative and he has an opportunity to be with amazing creative people and live his faith in, uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. Why the heck wouldn't Christians do that? <laughs> Brian, I, I mean, that's, so that's my opinion. Uh, it's Brian's story to tell, yeah. but my, my sense is, yeah, good for Brian. Good on him. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it goes back to what you were talking about, which is if, if that's what God calls you to do, that's where you go and your Absolutely. worship is reflecting Christ wherever he puts you. And maybe yeah. he does call you out of a situation and you never go back. But maybe he does call you out, heal you spiritually, send you right back in to tell people. And that's what I've seen with a lot of people that, because that was one of those, I was like a head scratcher, right? But Yeah, right. You, sure. you look, so I, I look for the fruit, you know, and what do I see? I see Brian sharing people, Christ with people that would never, you never. know, Step in never. one of our churches. So anyway, well, and, and Randy, the, I'll, I'll just add this. One of the most amazing blessings in connecting with Brian on this project has been that audience that he he has. I would never have been able to connect with the people I've connected with mm. outside of God's work in Brian's life and his ongoing work in the marketplace with his, with corn. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Well, if you want to follow up more, uh, you can check out the book, Heroic Disgrace. Uh, you can also go to the website. looks like that right there, which is uh, simply heroicdisgrace.com. Uh, and Scott, I appreciate you sharing. I, I, I know this is a tough thing to, to talk about, and I know that not everybody uh, will receive it <laughs> with the spirit in which you're offering it. You know, Thank which you. is one of redemption, I sense. I um, what is right. sort of your bottom line? What if someone, if someone needs to know uh, whether they're struggling with some, some mental illness um, or they, they love somebody, they know someone who is, what, what's sort of the bottom line of what they need to hear from your yeah. perspective? Yeah. Hmm. I know what my, my, my mission is. You know, my mission is to change the way people understand and practice worship. Uh, and that that's really my mission. My, but but I, I will say this, that that my, the vision that I have for, for the church and for those that would be skeptical is just simply that you would test, you would test Jesus's model of worship and just see if it works. If you mold your 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 talents and your habits around the pursuit and reflection of Jesus, um, I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. And and if you're struggling with mental illness, uh, this is the this is where the 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 blessing and the love of Christ can and will 
alter uh, the person that you are in a good way, making you more heroic as Jesus is heroic. Yeah, good word, good man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you stepping out and sharing, uh, and, and keep keep up the worship and the music. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. All of it, the the living life. I love it. We 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 need to pursue and reflect Christ. I mean, that's that's really bottom line right there. And it sounds simple, but you know, it's. It's a daily thing. You got to walk it out yep. on a daily basis. So again, appreciate you, Scott Box, sharing your story you. with us on Life Today Live, and those of you watching out there. Uh, if you, again, if you want to check it out, uh, heroicdisgrace.com. I put that in the chat for you guys, uh, and then you the can check out his book. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live. Some people get enthusiasm; they imagine it's the Holy Spirit. They want to live the way they want to live and have the Holy Spirit as a bit of uh, something extra. The Holy Spirit must be Lord.